0: Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Good morning. If this is your first class with me, this is how I typically start my classes. Have a conversation and lay out why I'm teaching, ultimately, what I'm teaching, and offer you a line of sight into why this particular topic is important to me and ideally why it could be important to you and offer you some meaning on your mat. So you're moving much deeper than the posture, the physical element to yoga and you being on your mat. And my approach to teaching is speaking uh, as plainly as I can into the human experience. That's my attempt to make sense of the human experience and shared human experiences that we're all going through. Because what I've noticed along the way, trying to make sense of my own experience, how lonely that endeavor can be. And how I can think, oh, it's just me, nobody else is like this. And what I've appreciated about spending so much time with people is, well, that's just not true. (laughs) We are very similar in so many, in, in various different ways and often going through similar experiences. And having the conversation out in the forefront is useful. And it's good for all of us to have these kinds of conversations, what we're going through, because the tendency is to hold, to hold, to not to share certain things about our experience and ourselves. And how debilitating that can be and confusing. And often there's not much learning attached to that because we're trying to sort out the problem that we caused to begin with. <laughs> and it often doesn't work out very well. And so the benefit of being vulnerable and putting oneself out there. And there's a request in that, it seems to me. And it sounds something like, help me, (laughs) help me. I need some help. I can't figure this thing out on my own and I need some help. And how difficult it is to say those words out loud sometimes. Very difficult. Just as difficult as saying, I'm sorry. Maybe that difficult, who knows? And so there's some difficulties we have in our human experience. And that's my attempt is to create some clarity. And so I have a master theory that I plug things into that I've been working on for many years. And I call it the cycle of dis-ease. That's what I call it, the cycle of dis-ease, where we've lost ease. And if we're not sorting out where we've lost ease, how that manifests into disease in the body over a span of time. And the attempt is to interrupt that cycle so we don't have to wait for something to happen to us where we're forced to make the changes we know we need to make, but to do it voluntarily and to do it now. When we have some health and some strength and some courage and some know-how, instead of attempting to make a change when we are weakened, And so like today, or the theme today, is aligned to my master theory in some ways of the cycle of dis-ease. And the topic today is on rejection. Oof, think about that for a moment, that particular topic and your relationship to rejection. Spicy, you can call it that, spicy experience. And rejection happens every day. That's how it seems to me. Somebody not paying attention to us, perhaps not listening to us, walking right by us without some eye contact. All these experiences we can have. Somebody takes the last piece of watermelon. How dare you? (laughs) I feel so rejected. (laughs) All the different ways that we can feel rejected on a daily basis. And those mount. We collect those experiences. And it typically leads us into being embittered and resentful. Then, of course, we have the bigger experiences around resentment, uh, around rejection, I'll, I'll say, around rejection. It's like, no, I don't want to listen to you right now. No, I don't want to be with you right now. I don't want to be with you ever. The bigger rejections that we can have. I'm not going to text you, I'm not going to phone you, I'm not going to pay attention to you, these kinds of things. And they sting, and they stick around. And so I thought it would be useful, by request, to talk about rejection. <laughs> to get a sense of how you relate to this particular topic. And as we move into practice, perhaps you can move this experience along, get it out of you because it sits in you. And you can easily say, no, it doesn't. Nope. I don't have this experience in me. You could say that. But it also gives you a line of sight of how how naive you are, if that's your position. It's in you somewhere for sure. Where you've nestled it, who knows? But if you think about the topic of rejection the last time you rejected, where you felt it in your body, where you felt it, maybe it's down in your guts. Maybe it's up in your heart. Somewhere, I have a tendency of feeling rejection in my gut. My gut down low. Ooh, It's a punch in the gut. Ooh, that one stung. And so there's some distinctions up on the board around rejection. And my attempt is to paint out one side of ourselves. Some people call it the shadow side. And then the other side of us that wants the best for us. One side is looking to take us to places we don't want to go. The other side of us is always striving for better. What's better? What's next? And so rejection, the experience of rejection and falsehoods from others begins very young. Very young. Like you as a kid, think of yourself way back then. And how this experience of rejection played out in your life certainly from whoever raised you. Stop being a bother, get outside and play. Or I don't have time for you right now. No, (laughs) you can't do that, you can't behave that way. Stop being a brat, be good, get to your room. (laughs) Whatever you heard back then. And it's also through others, you know, paying attention to people very attentive when you're young when we're young if you ever spend time with kids they're like very observant it's frightening (laughs) why are you looking at me (laughs) amazingly so and it's the false smiles and pretense that we pick up very young scanning people who is this person are they safe and can i trust them and we learn very young there's a lot of falsehoods that people stand in a lot of pretense they bring to relationships Because we're feelers, we feel. Might look all right, but doesn't feel all right. You might be saying all the right things, but your body's saying something different. Something doesn't match up. And we learn that very young. The result, experience others as hostile or as liars. Ever been around somebody that is clearly upset All the while attempting to be nice. You ever notice somebody like that? It's really quite absurd, isn't it? (laughs) It's like clearly you're upset, but you're saying everything. You're saying that you're not, while your body is clearly saying that you are. And so we can be hostile. And we can certainly lie. And we have a tendency and a proclivity to lie about a lot of things. And so we pick up these experiences and these behaviors and attempt to make sense of them. The perspective that's generated from that is people are untrustworthy and therefore unsafe. You're not not trustworthy and so therefore you're unsafe. I can't trust you. You don't pay attention to me. You don't listen to me. You tell me to bugger off. You only pay attention to me when I'm behaving in a particular way. Sometimes I don't know how to behave because I don't know who you'll be. Which is confusing. The position is I reject you. Yet I need you. Damn it. And that can play out with our parents, whoever raised you. I reject you, but damn it, I need you. What a conflict I am in because of this. It hurts me when you don't pay attention to me. It hurts me when you use that tone. I feel unsafe in your presence, and so I reject you. But yet I need you to stay alive. It's really quite the conflict we can find ourselves in as youngsters. And that just didn't dissolve. That's still with us right now. I'll attempt to fool you to control you. That can be the position. I'll attempt to fool you so I can control you. Welcome to Strategies. If you pay attention to me only when I'm being nice, then I'll be nice, even if I don't feel like I am being nice. I'll put on the costume of being nice, even if I don't feel like being nice, so I can get your attention. I'll act out and misbehave, even if I don't want to, because I know it's not good for me, but I'll act out anyways to get your attention. I reject The way in which I'm behaving, I reject you for forcing me to behave this way. But yet, I need you. Mm. (laughs) I picked this up very young in myself. Uh, How quickly I didn't trust people. That came to me very young. And how painful and how confusing that experience was and still is for me in a whole, in various different ways, still very confusing in relationship. And as we attempt to fool people, to control people who are chron- chronically rejected by other people because they're onto our tricks, they're not really getting us. They're getting the strategies we adopt to attempt to fool them. And they know it, because we know it. You only get this side of me. You never get this side of me, ever. I will not let you in, because I don't trust you, and you're gonna hurt me, and I know it. How do I know that? Because I've been hurt in the past, and people hurt, and that's why they're unsafe. And if I let you in too much, you will reject me, and I can't stand that hurt, so no, I reject you. But yet I'll keep you here because I need you. And so it's our tricks and insufficiencies that inform our relationships at times. From this posture and stance of I reject you, but I pretend that I don't, which is very strange. And very difficult to make sense of. Which sets us up to be rejected. Because we're working out of strategies and pretense and falsehoods. That's where we're coming from. Which people feel. Which is a shallow endeavor. If you ever spent somebody, if you ever spent time with somebody that doesn't let you in, do you really trust them? It's like, no, nobody in their right mind would. You're hiding something from me, and I can feel it. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. And so, if you're hiding from me, you're not being honest with me. So, I can't trust you, so I reject you. And that's, this is how rejection plays out in relationships consistently and constantly. It's something we don't tend to admit that I'm already rejecting you from a lifetime of evidence that you're not trustworthy and I can't be safe in your presence. So it's already established in relationship through our posture. And it's only a matter of time to pe- until people pick up on our tricks and insufficiencies until they reject us. Nobody likes to be controlled. Or made a fool. And that's the destruction of a relationship over a span of time. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's a 30 year battle. <laughs> that can be called marriage at times. I've been talking about strategies over the last several days about people pleasing. The attempt to be nice to control people so they like you and so you can feel safe, the pleaser. The perfectionists, let me be perfect and flawless so you can love me for my flawlessness. And if you accept me as flawless and praise me, then I can feel love and safe in your presence. But they're tricks and falsehoods. The pleaser is nice, but also cowardice. They don't stand up for themselves. It's all whatever you want, not what I want. It's whatever you want because I'm here to please you. And there's cowardice in that because they don't speak up and stand for themselves and negotiate and say no at times. And they give themselves away consistently. All the while attempting to play nice, even when they're not so nice. And pleasers are not nice. Perfectionist shows up as poised. I have to be perfect in everything I do because I can't withstand criticism. Criticism gives me access to humiliation, and so no, I have to be flawless. I have to be poised. Put myself together in a very particular way. So I minimize the criticism. This poised posture is a sham. Because typically perfectionists lack social skills. And so what that can sound like is like, ah, I show up as poised, but what I'm saying to myself is, oh my God, I'm so awkward. This doesn't feel good. Small talk sucks. How do I get out of this as quickly as I can? And you perfectionists know what I'm talking about. We can show up as poised, but what's happening inside is something other than that. And these costumes and masks and pretense we can lay ourselves with. Move us into immobility is probably the best way of saying it. Stepping outside of a relationship in some way being on the periphery where we're embittered and resentful and I can imagine that's true for you right now That somewhere in your life you're embittered and resentful about someone you don't have to look any farther than you that's true with you for sure and if it's in you then perhaps it's in your relationships and that's the consideration the very place you probably don't want to look. You want to start to presence yourself of how you reject people and what that posture is and feels like because it's in you more than you can even imagine. And if you can wake up to that, at least you have a chance to accept people as they are. And to abandon attempting to control people and make them different to fit your needs, it doesn't work. You've been trying it for too long and it doesn't work. You know that. And you know that because if somebody attempts to do that to you, you resist, don't you? You shake, you rattle and roll. Stop it. Just let me be who I am, damn it. Why don't you accept me? Rejection is a funny thing. I'll give you an example. If I'm not careful, I reject women. They are by far the most terrifying being than I, that I can even imagine. <laughs> and that is absolutely true. And so I have a tendency, if I'm not careful, to reject women because you're not safe. You're the greatest source of pain and suffering and humiliation in my life, by far. And I'm not blaming. That is my role in that relationship, of course. And I own that and take responsibility for it. But you represent something to me, you women out here. that I'm not safe and you're going to hurt me and how that puts me on the defensive. But then I need you, which disgusts me and leads me into self-contempt if I'm not careful. I reject you, but I need you. And I need you to care for me. I need you to nurture me. I need you to create this tender, safe space for me because I can't do that myself. And so it's quite the conflict. (laughs) And I have a lot of evidence to support that. I want you when I need you. I don't want you when I don't need you. It's the setup for rejection, both sides. Not, not only am I rejecting half of the population on the planet, <laughs> I'm also setting myself up to be rejected. It's very painful. Very painful process. And if I'm not careful, that's exactly what I can set myself up for. And so what I've been working on for years is countering this with acceptance, acceptance of myself, accepting that I can take care of myself and I have the capacity to nurture myself, which is not an easy endeavor. That's still true today for me. So on the bottom board, I've had to wrestle with fear of rejection, the feeling of inadequacy and the prospect of loneliness. Those are all debilitating experiences for sure. And that's a deep concern we each share is loneliness. That is a confusing place to be. It's fine if we choose it on our own. But if we're forced into that state, that is a thrashing experience. It's the ultimate manifestation of rejection. I don't want to spend time with you. No, I reject you. As you are, I reject your existence. That's the message that we can take. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. Here I am on my own. People reject me because I'm flawed and insufficient. And the stories we can make up from that state, woof, that's intense. And so we have to wrestle with ourselves in a whole host of different ways and move into this state of rejection in the attempt to make sense of it. That we will be rejected. But the idea is to not set ourselves up for it. But when it does occur, we have the capacity to be with it. Because it's a, a part of life. There's no question. We can't expect people to want to listen to us all the time and spend time with us all the time and meet our needs all the time. That's an unfair expectation. It's worthwhile moving into your state of loneliness and your relationship to it. Because it's startling. It's like the death grip. And to be able to create some strength around that is very useful. And in doing so, it'll fortify you, which is important. a Fortification of you, you, your being, your character. To come from that place. Confront your own sufficiencies, which will be deep and difficult to change. And it's something we do not want to do. To really embrace your insufficiencies and where you're weak and underdeveloped. It's like, who the hell wants to do that? (laughs) It's like, no, thanks. I just want to feel good. And so I'll pursue pleasure seeking and so I can feel good. Never confront where things are difficult. Welcome to the yoga world. That's how the yoga world can be. Which is not good. Just do whatever feels good. It's like the worst advice ever. You train yourself to be that. What happens when things get difficult? You have no skill. You'll be crushed. And life does not feel good. If you haven't noticed, life does not feel good. Sometimes it does. It's a consequence of skill. That's the tendency. You've chosen it somewhere. And you led yourself into a state of feeling good, some sense of possibility, opportunity, something that's aligned to your values. Those things just don't randomly happen. It doesn't work like that. Update yourself to be an independent and productive person within a social structure, which means you have to behave in a particular way. And ideally that particular way is you align to your values. So people can accept that. And they'll accept that and accept you because they can feel you. If people can feel you, they'll trust you. And that only happens when we're establishing our values. The thing that means the most to us, whatever those things are to you, that leads you into making things better, not only for yourself, but those around you. That's where people get to feel you at your best. And that's the fight you're in. You and your mat. There's no question about that. You are in a fight. If you can see that you on your mat, that's a good thing to take on you. And what are you actually pursuing? I encourage you to choose where you're insufficient. Where things aren't going well in your life, to pick it up, to embrace it with great responsibility and make it better. Because what's good in your life is probably not going anywhere anytime soon, which is good because it's held by strengths, your strengths, your values. Where you're insufficient, you're struggling. If you let that be for too long, it'll start to encroach on everything good in your life. Everything. That's the shadow, isn't it? It has a way of creeping. (laughs) Until we're the creep. Until we're the creep. Which is a strange thing to say. But we're creepy. When we're playing out our strategies. Because people can't trust us. So rejection is nestled into the fabric of our being and our experience for sure. If we're rejecting, we will be rejected. So then the idea is to pay attention to how you reject people and is very clear. And that message is sent with great clarity. Absolutely. And you want that message to get across and we can be vicious in that regard. So what would it be like if you stopped doing that? Your life would be different because you would be different. You'd be stronger as a consequence of your efforts. You'd be outside of a weakened state that people aren't trustworthy. They're unsafe and you have to protect yourself. That's a weakened state. I'm smaller, you're bigger. And so you and your mat, you get to strengthen yourself from the inside out. And so I have a question for you to make this real, perhaps. How do you reject people? Hell of a question. How do you reject people? Then You could ask yourself, why? Why? What's the why in terms of you rejecting people? Anybody have something to say about that? Why do you reject people? I'll drop it a floor. We got something to say about that. Jump in, people. Otherwise, I'm going to feel rejected. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I guess I could feel like would reject people to be the re- rejector versus being the rejectee. So like, I would love to it. Great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll beat you to it. Yeah, it's fantastic, right? It's like perfect setup. I'll reject you before you reject me. Very good. Thanks for that. Yeah. To work out. Let's just end it okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah. You played out in the future it's like this is going to work so let's just end it here. Right. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Does it feel so good, but great that you can lay that out. Yeah, thanks for that. Yes, thank you. Um, I think I'm I think I Very good, yep. I don't wanna see myself in you, so I reject you and get away from me. Yeah, good. So there's a lot in this conversation. The the attempt to accept yourself on your mat, very difficult endeavor. You'll notice that by being in practice. If you're serious about your practice, you'll really start to get a sense of how difficult it is to accept yourself. And if that's true for you, it's true for everybody else in your life. And so start with you. Stop rejecting yourself. Choose yourself. Even all of your insufficiencies and flaws, choose them. That's the brilliance of you being on your mat. You up for that challenge? Mm, mm, Mm-mm-mm. Me too. The class focus today is on the gut. Oof. Yep, we're going in, people. It's core work, some gut work. Can't process negative emotions is where this resides in the gut. So we've got to build some heat. Heat, the passion, the clarity to burn away those things that can hold us back. And so that's the attempt in this practice. Thrilled that you're here. It is mad time. See you on it. Mm